1: Hello and welcome to the It's All Cobblers To Me preview show. I'm Danny Brothers and I'm here to look ahead to the Cobblers weekend clash with Wickham Wanderers to see if the mighty town can make it three wins in a row in the league. To help me do just that, please welcome to the preview show Wickham fan, George Guttridge from the Wickham Way. How are you doing, George? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Pleasure to be on. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, No worries. On holiday at the minute, so... Uh, eternally grateful for you inter- interrupting your holiday to come and join us to talk about Wickham for a few minutes. <laughs> I
2: was on a, a Bristol Rovers podcast uh, last week. And that result was in a win for Wickham's. Hopefully the the same come back this weekend. <laughs>
1: they are hoping that just, just go on every podcast until you stop winning. And I think so. I just record the happens. season's lot this week. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, so in terms of becoming a Wickham fan, just to give our listeners a little bit of an idea of timescales, things like that, Um can you just tell us how, how you became a Wickham fan and a little bit about your time supporting the club in general?
2: Well, I've been home and away for 80 years now. Um, it was sort of a... It came on very randomly. Uh, me and my neighbour were looking for a way to, to spend a Saturday afternoon, and um, we just happened to walk down to to Adams Park. Um, and really, from the the first game there, I, I fell in love with the the club, the the community, and the atmosphere. Um, also, I, I'd done games from a really young age with my dad through the sort of you get the soccer schools and the free tickets that way. Um, but really, sort of going uh, constantly it was with a friend of mine, and it was just sort of a, yeah a random Saturday. We needed a, a way to to spend the afternoon and and Wanderers and wander. Was uh, what's the way to do that?
1: <laughs> nice. So, what was it about Adams Park, about the atmosphere, that just grabbed you and and said, "This is it." You know, you're you're hooked for life now.
2: Um, I, growing up, I was a Man United fan, which for me obviously meant just watching games on the television. Uh, you know, not getting too involved with the the club or anything like that, which is obviously very hard to do with a club of that size, but. You sort of and I I go down to Wickham and, and nowadays you sort of recognise the same people in the pubs, uh, away games as well. It's the same sort of three or four hundred people. There's just a sense of belonging and a sense of community that I can sort of get behind, um, and that's a, a real reason why
1: I you know why I love the club the way I do it's just yeah, it's just something about seeing the same people week in week out isn't it and just you know knowing that's the only place you're going to see them and you know, not seeing them again from from May until August but it's the same people going week in week out and so so you're you're sort of well travelled now with Wickham you you're going home and away still at this point
2: yeah i mean I, everyone everyone at work is blown away by the fact that i do trips to to Blackpool and Bolton on tuesday <laughs> nights they they cannot get their heads around it um, but it is one of those things that, you know, up and down the country we do week in, week out on the Tuesday nights. You know, some people find it absolutely balmy. Um, but, you know, there's no other way I'd rather spend my weekends. Yeah.
1: And how do you describe it to people? Because I, I did it when I was at uni. A lot of people will do the same things with lower league supporting and sort of people who support your Liverpools, your Man Citys, your Man Uniteds, Chelsea's or whoever. They, they it is so hard to comprehend for them that you're going to spend a Tuesday night at Rochdale away or or you know or wherever at the dark cold corner of the country on a Tuesday night. Like, how do you talk translate what Wickham's all about to them?
2: Um I, I suppose uh, t- touching on that it's it's easy to find people to to talk to about football. Um, and then they sort of ask, you know, what team do you support? You say, "Hi Wickham, uh, Wickham one just so." And they say, uh Oh, so, so what Premier League team do you support? Yeah, exactly. And then it, it's trying to have that argument with them that, you know, I, I follow Wickham for the, the sense of belonging. You know, it's, it's, it is it's a family down there, as we say. You know, you see the same people week in, week out. Uh, you almost sort of get to know the players personally. Obviously, the players don't know you, but you feel a bit uh, more connected to the players in that sense. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's what I tell people. It's just a sense of, Knowing you belong somewhere and knowing that you matter, being home in a way, you know, you, you play a part on your team's performance rather than sitting at home on the armchair watching from a distance, sort of with no input on the club or anything. You know, that the money you put into the club uh, and your part in that atmosphere,
1: it goes a long way. So in terms of uh, timescales, you said eight seasons, eight years or so you've been following uh, Wickham. So not a lot of games between the Cobblers and Wickham during that time. The the last time we played you in the league match was 2016, so that's getting close to seven years anyway. Um, So any memories that you have of the Cobblers or how you view us as a club and sort of games that you remember against us?
2: Uh, I suppose The main thing I remember Northampton for is sort of when we first signed Akin Fenwell. I think yes. he was. Uh, I think uh, he left you and went to Wimbledon, if I've got the, the time scale right. So, mm-hmm. sort of finding out bits and bobs about how Akin Fema played. I watched a lot of sort of Northampton highlights. Um, so, that's what I sort of first think about. Um, I think we've had a number of cup games in that time.
1: Yeah, we've uh, had quite a couple of um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially in the, in the, in the, the, the cup and the trophy and stuff, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's not. Six was isn't somewhere I've been just yet, only because I. I can't fathom going to a checker trade trophy game um so it's still one that i'm waiting to tick off and unfortunately i'm I'm traveling back on saturday so i won't be there either i'll try to uh, persuade the missus to let us stop there on the way back but she's having none of it um uh, but yeah it's sort of it's one of those clubs that everyone everyone knows about knows the story behind and maybe because of the the big players you've had over the years and sort of they, you seem to be in the news every season whether it's a promotion push or a relegation point which I suppose isn't a bad thing You sort of there's no uh, going under the radar really in that sense mm,
1: Yeah you mentioned Akin Fenwell as well he's synonymous with the Cobblers and with Wickham you, You'd almost so almost as much with each club and uh, how he sees it I'm not sure but for you kind of going to Wickham it's that kind of time when you know, Gareth Haynes was in charge you've got Akin Fenwell at front you sort of what what did he as a player mean to you and to mean to you as Wickham fans? Because he's probably quite similar in terms of our fan base and your fan base, isn't
2: he? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people uh, were stamping with the whole PR stunt kind of thing. You know, a club will do to boost their image, and you know, while it's fair to say he did do that for Wickham, um, the stuff he did on the pitch for us was you know unrivalled, uh, more than any players sort of done for us in the last 10, 20 years. Um, you know he, they say um, he's too big to play football but you know the size of the man and his image is humongous for the level um, so as much as he sort of propelled us off the pitch and boosted that image I think on the pitch he, he more than played his part in the last sort of five years of Wickham history
1: mm. So are compared with Derby then on Saturday it's <laughs> say first league game <laughs> yeah since that 2015-16 season when we we powered on to win the league after um, I think we beat you 3-2 Adams Park and then 1-0 at Sixfields but since then like you say only Football League trophy games EFL Cup I mean last season we played you in the, in the EFL Cup we were obviously Different divisions at that point, and we've given you a free kick after about half an hour, about twenty five yards out. As I said to whoever it was sitting next to me, "This is in" because Joe Jacobson just steps up. As like, why are we giving you a free kick that <laughs> under that distance with Jacobson on the pitch? And sure enough, he smashed it into the top corner. Um I Is he still with you, Jacobson? Or is he kind of taking a little bit of a back seat now because you've got Lee Lee now? Is it? Uh,
2: yeah, so yeah, is this year's is testimonial season? Um, okay. So we had the. Yeah, the testament against Cardiff in the summer, but yeah, he's sort of, I, I say, the the last name on the team sheet now, if you will. Uh, What is he? 36, 37 now. So, you know, there's sort of five or six um options ahead of him. But, you know, Jacobson's a is a great bloke to have in the changing rooms. You know, I don't think we'll ever part with him unless he retires or decides to move a bit closer to home. Um, But he's just, a, you know, a, a great man and someone who's just fantastic around the the younger lads.
1: Mm. It's, it's so rare to have that these days as well with that longevity at club we've just got um the news this week that sam hoskins has signed a new contract which if he finishes or if he goes to the end of that contract with us it'll be 11 seasons that he's been here and you just it, it's so rare these days to get that kind of loyalty to one club isn't it
2: yeah and it's especially in the lower leagues where sort of where money is so important you know they're as much as they are earning a, a good wage it's sort of still modest for most of the most of the clubs and most of the players so they need to look after their family so to to sort of find a footballer who has spent sort of 10
1: years at one club especially in league one and league two is is very difficult to find yeah definitely so moving slightly on we've got to and you're probably bored about talking about this by now on on every single podcast into the sun, but Gareth Ainsworth we've got to talk about um over 10 years at the club moved on last February to QPR um Four wins in a row before he left. So you're you're doing well. You're sitting just outside the playoffs in League One when he left. But just how big an impact was that for Wickham, for a character and a man like Ainsworth who has taken you to heights that you've just never been to before? How big a hole has it left? And are you still feeling that impact right now?
2: I think off of the pitch, uh, the transition was fairly seamless going from Ainsworth to Bloomfield. Um, But I think you look at what's happened on the pitch and the difference is it's quite monumental, really. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that if Ainsworth had stayed for uh, the end of last season, we'd have guaranteed ourselves uh, a playoff spot, if not better. I think we were on a, a six or seven game winning run um, by the time he left, and sort of even his results at QPR sort of makes the timing seem very sort of unorthodox. You know, he he had chances to move on in years previous to many different clubs. Um, and you know, QPR's position last season, as well as ours, it just sort of a lot, a lot of question marks were raised, really. Um, but I think that the club dealt with it uh, sort of very calmly. Um, they allowed the good news of Bloomfield coming back from Colchester to outweigh the negatives of Bloom, um, Ainsworth moving on. Sorry. So that sort of softened the blow a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think we are still feeling the effects of that on the pitch, but I suppose off the pitch it's it's. Yeah, the the club did well to to soften the blow in that respect.
1: Mm. When you look at him and uh, what he's doing with QPR at the moment, do you think it's going to work out for him there? Do you think that's a, that was a good move for him in the end, in long term for them? Then are they going to stick with him?
2: Uh, I
1: think he's a, he's
2: a project manager. Um, he was never going to go to that club and sort out overnight. You know, they've got to give him two, three, four years to sort of really put his mark on uh, not just the squad but the club as a whole, really. Um, you know, it, it's no secret of the, the culture that he built at Wickham over his uh, 10 or 11-year stay. Um, I think QPR desperately need to give him the chance to do that there as well um, because, you know, that the, the things he did with our Club on the budget he had for so many of those years was, you know, unbelievable, really. Um, so QPR should stick with him, whether they will or not, time will tell, of course. Um, but, yeah, he's a project manager. And they, they've got to let him build uh, the club the way he wants to.
1: And do you think that translates to championship level? Because when he came into you, I think were you in League Two at the time, battling relegation from League Two, even weren't you? And you know, for him to take you up to the heights of the championship and and all that kind of thing, and to build not just a team and a squad, to build that culture around the club. Do you think he gets that time in the championship where it can be so cut and thrust, cut you know, cutthroat in that division?
2: whether he gets the time or not is, you know, two P- 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 QPR fans might disagree. Wickham, every Wickham fan you talk to will tell you the same, that he'd need the time to build that culture. It's whether he can find the sort of the, the characters in the championship. Um, you know, it's sort of, he, he made a knack at Wickham of finding players who weren't really wanted anywhere else uh, and giving them a home at Wickham. I think there was a, there was a really good interview a couple of weeks ago. Um, with one of the players that took us up from League One. Uh, When he first signed at Wickham 18 months before, he was on uh, £400 a week. Um, And he sort of made a really big fuss of the the sense of belonging at Wickham. The fact that Ainsworth made him feel so welcome and so important in his squad. Um, And it was those characters that Ainsworth really sort of looked for in players. And whether he gets that at championship level with the sort of the attitudes of the players in that division, yeah, um, is yet to be seen. I think some of his signings this season have been good, again on a on a shoestring budget. Um, but it's always going to be more tricky competing with championship clubs than it is competing with sort of League One and League Two clubs, where many are in sort of the same boat.
1: Mm. And Wickham fans in general now, are you supportive of him at KPR? Are you hoping that he does the, the best he can there? Or you, is there like a little bit of a part of you that thinks, you know, it, if he doesn't work out, you can you can always come back?
2: <laughs> you know, I'll put my neck on the line and say that Gareth Fairnsworth will, will be Wickham manager again one day. Um, how far that is down the line, I do not know. But I, I don't think that his story at Wickham is completed just yet. And um, yeah, I think there, there's a little bit of division amongst the fan base. Um, mainly because of the timing in which he left and the manner in which he sort of went. You know, we were in such a good place last season. Um, QPR were sort of, uh, I think they were on a 21-game streak without a win. Um, so the, the the timing was really, really bizarre. And I think some fans are still sort of feeling a little bit sour because of that. Um, but I think that the majority of Wigan fans sort
1: of um,
2: wish him well and, and hope that eventually he will succeed there.
1: Yeah, it'd be one of those things, would not it, that it's it, it it comes back in time. It just it takes a little bit of time to heal those those wounds and in sort of one or two years it'll probably be he'll be welcome back with open arms at some point, I'm sure. Um Matt Bloomfield comes in then from Colchester. Obviously at the time we're playing Colchester in League Two. We're seeing what he's doing, we're seeing we're talking to Colchester fans in League Two and they're saying what he's trying to build will take a lot of time to build. So the shock that they felt when he left was quite big from what we could tell, but massive association with you, almost 500 games under his belt for you as a player. Um, but when you're looking at it and you're thinking, you know, Colchester struggling at the at the bottom of the lead two, does his history with you as a player just negate all of that, all of that kind of what he's done at Colchester and just a clean, it's a clean slate for you?
2: Uh, absolutely. Um, I think when he when he left for Colchester to, to take the head coach role, there was a clause in his contract that meant if Wickham wanted him to come back uh, as manager or sort of whatever it was, that Wickham would get sort of a cut price to do that. Um, obviously, there was a little bit of compensation to be paid, um, but when you look at the compensation that QPR paid for Ainsworth with two and a half years in his contract, um, it was a minimal amount that we had to pay Colchester, really. Um, and I think for a lot of fans, it was a sensible thing to do. Um, again, I'm going to bring up the, the culture at Wickham. Um, Bloomfield understands that culture. Um, and it might have been a risk to sort of bring in an, an outside manager, um, especially when you sort of had the same manager for, for 10 or so years. It's, it's very tricky to sort of keep that me- momentum going. Um, obviously, Bloomfield hasn't quite done that. Um, you know, he's, he's built his own squad this season. Uh, he's put his own stamp on things. He's trying to do things his way, uh, which I I guess is is refreshing to see. Um, yeah, in in the same way that, Colchester fans thought it was going to take time, it's it's going to take time to get um it right here as well.
1: And just what did he mean to you as a player, Bloomfield?
2: Uh, I mean, his, his nickname around the club is Mister Wickham. You know, twenty odd years, he I think he played one game at Ipswich, uh, came on loan to us, and then from there on he, he was a one club man. Um, I think for for most Wickham fans, he was sort of, especially my age, he's sort of the 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 one player they can relate to, sort of being there that whole time. You know, a lot a lot of players come and go, fan favorites. You know, they're here for a season or two and then they're gone. But sort of Bloomfield was a sort of um, an important part of uh, some of the most successful years for Wickham, um, and and I, I think that's important. You know, when, especially when you've got successful uh, periods. The players that have been there throughout that will always sort of have a a longer lasting impression than those who sort of play a, a smaller part. I say.
1: So general feeling about him now. Obviously, last season mid table finish. This season, you're starting to build up a little bit of momentum. Now, so in in general, a general sense, still of a little bit of patience, a little bit of time needed, and uh, sort of where are the general fan base with Bloomfield now.
2: Uh, Again, there's a little bit of division, but I think for most people that comes from the success that Ainsworth had. Um, You know, I I don't think any manager was going to come in and sort of steer the ship uh, and immediately get results. Uh, There was always going to be a sort of a a turbulent period. Um, But I think the the ideas that Bloomfield is trying to bring across uh, is now becoming more and more obvious. Uh, And really, the only issue we've got, sort of, last few games is not sticking the ball in the net. You know, we've dominated most games this season, really. Uh, last night crashed out of the cup to to Sutton uh but I think we had sort of twenty 23 shots on goal um but the balls weren't going in the back of the net um and there, there's a name that I'm sure we'll hopefully get to mention in a, in a few minutes a bit of transfer news um tonight which gets me excited but yeah it, it's gonna take a while for the results to start flowing constantly um but sort of the, the football he's trying to play has become more and more
1: apparent with every passing week, for sure. We'll uh, take a quick break there. We'll be back in a few minutes with more from George.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. Plus.
1: welcome back still here with wickham fan george gutteridge from the wickham way uh, george we talked a little bit before the break about the style that bloomfield matt bloomfield is trying to get with your club um bit of a clear out in the summer if you come on to transfer business um Quite a fair few number of players coming out. You've got six or seven that have come in. Um, just want to get your kind of thoughts on these ones at the minute. Uh, Richard Keogh, experienced um, defender from Ipswich, is he? Has he kind of just been brought in just as a head in the dressing room? Is he playing? How's he doing so far?
2: There is a nice mixture with Richard. Um, you know, when he when he first came in, a lot of people thought uh, they brought him into a bit of a, a cheerleader, but actually on the pitch, he's sort of uh, he's really quite instrumental in the way that we want to play. Um, you know, people look at his age and think, you know, he's going to be a light ability on the ball, off the ball. Um, but really, he doesn't really show signs of being 36 at all. Um, he's a really good ball carrier, actually. Really sort of, uh, he's got a willingness to, to come out with the ball and sort of switch the play. Um, he's got you know, a fairly decent range of in, uh, passing sorry, for um, <laughs> 37-year-old legs. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as much as he was a sign that raised a few eyebrows when we brought him in, actually sort of been one of the, the better signings of the of the, the tens so of I think we made 10 um, so yeah one of the one of the better additions so far
1: mm-hmm. so, that, so that was a permanent Luke Lee as well and just close for you from Sfrutti really clever signing I think you've you've you kind of not edging him out but edging um, Joe Jacobson obviously talked about earlier wonder of a left foot you've brought in another left back another wand of a left foot is it just literally a replacement of like for like that Lee brings because he's got such quality on the ball hasn't he
2: uh so Lee he's been deployed in centre mid so far this season. Okay. But assuming we sort of keep him for the next three, four five years, I'm sure he will sort of transition back to a left back. Uh to sort of play the Jacobson role. Um, but yeah, you mentioned his, his left peg there and it's very similar to JJ. He's got a, a wicked delivery. Uh, I think he's already got three or four assists to his name so far this season. Um and you know, as much as he is a character, he, you know, he's been I think he's been captain. Already this season, he just arriving this summer, but he's uh, he's a commander, he's a leader. Um, is it's one of those players that's really good to have in the dressing room alongside his his
1: uh, ability on the pitch. Mm. Uh, another defender brought in, which will be massive interest to Cobblers fans, Joe Lowe, Um, which it, it, it's going to make every Cobblers fan of my age feel incredibly old, um, because he is the son of Josh Lowe, Our I think still maybe our record signing. Um when we saw him on at Walsall last season we were like that can't be Josh Lowe's son that can't be but it is um quality centre back though a really good signing for you
2: uh, yeah and he's he's really hit the ground running really uh, at both ends of the pitch mm-hmm. uh three goals in the league so far this season uh, which puts him in the the golden boot race at this stage um, <laughs> <laughs> but even even in, in defense he's sort of uh, 65 66 he's just colossus you know he sort of wins everything in the air um, I think he would be my pick for, for signing of the summer so far, uh, especially sort of the impact he's had already. You know, not not the the flashiest of names when we brought him in. Um, I think he played a handful of games at Bristol City um, before. A, I think a relatively disappointing line move at Walsall. Um, definitely, sort of uh, listening to their fans, what they had to say. They weren't too impressed with with us signing him. They sort of thought that he wasn't gonna do as well as he has done so far. Um, but certainly, if he keeps it up, um, the form he's been in so far this season, he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's going to have a really, really good season and hopefully a good few years at the club.
1: Mm-hmm. I reunited with Manny Monti, who we played with um, at Warsaw last season as well, uh, come face-to-face in the penalty area. That could be a lovely little battle. And like you say, contributing at the other end as well, scored two or three goals in the last week or so. Um, it's got that presence up going forwards. And when you aren't scoring, when your strikers aren't scoring goals when you've got someone like that, it's massive, isn't it?
2: Yeah, especially on the end of Luke Lee's free kicks, you know, it's a, it's, it's a really good recipe to get goals. Um, and yeah, I, I mentioned that the strikers haven't been scoring. Um, and, you know, as much as it's, it's not great to align the centre-halves, you know, when you've got sort of Tapper Farino and Joe Lowe in the box, mm-hmm. you know, why wouldn't you play for, for set pieces and, and really attack the ball? So, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um and, yeah, you know, he's a really good asset to have in the box uh, at both
1: ends. Anyone else of your summer signings standing out so far? You've got quite a few loans in, five loans so far. Um, I know we'll come on to your the rumoured signing in a minute, but anybody else that you have definitely signed that is that's standing out so far?
2: Uh, Freddie Potts has probably been the, the standout one uh, from West Ham on loan. Uh, sort of a, a more defensive midfielder, uh, but box to box, you know, very good technically. Coming from West Ham's academy, I think he was in the squad for the uh, Conference League final last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got he's got a decent pedigree already, without too many professional games. And um, he's really hit the ground running. Uh, and Dale Taylor as well up front. Uh, he spent the um, the back end of last season, alone at Burton Albion. He was really impressive there. Um he's come in not quite got the goals uh, to go his ability just yet. But I think you know once. Once he gets a couple, the, the floodgate should open for him um, because he looks like a really shrewd, exciting signing.
1: And rumor Mill, obviously, as it does this time of year, running rampant, uh, spinning like anything. Uh, Brandon Hanlon being linked to Wrexham from you. Is that done deal yet? Yeah, I don't think it's quite over the line, is it? But I know there's strong rumours there.
2: Uh, not quite, but I think it's as good as done. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get a chance to listen to, to Matt Bloomfield's interview from last night, um, he wasn't too impressed with the fact that Hanlon didn't play.
1: He wasn't, was he? No.
2: So it, it sounds no. like, uh, but it, like I mentioned, you know, players at this sort of level have to look after their sort of careers and families financially. You know, I'm sure Wrexham can offer a little bit more than we can at this stage of his career. So you know, he's got every right to go and take that offer. Um, but it's about how you sort of, uh, yeah, how you sort of uh, present yourself, and it, it sounds like he's trying to force a move, which. You know, if, if that's the case, then we've got to cash in and
1: and hopefully go and improve that in the next few days. Mm-hmm. And um, rumours coming in, big excitement at Wickham. Um, we were talking about him earlier, Uchi Ipiezu, who played for you before, free agent, I think, he is at the moment. It has been playing completely randomly in Turkey and being linked back to it. How strong are these rumours? It seems to be building momentum the last couple of days. By the time you hear this on Friday, he might be a Wiccan player, but how excited are you if uh, Iq comes back to you? Uh,
2: so he, he was with us in the, in the championship season mm-hmm. uh, behind closed doors, so we, we didn't get to see him play, um, which I suppose it, it, it makes the, the idea of him signing a little bit more romantic, uh, the idea that we might see him uh play in the flesh at Adams Park. Um I'm sure he's sort of a, a popular name with EFL fans. I think he's been sort of round um every single club going in the bottom two divisions at only twenty six, twenty-seven. Um but yeah he, he showed glimpses of quality with us in the championship that, that sort of many of us didn't think that he would have really. Um, I don't think he's been a prolific goalscorer anywhere throughout his career. Um, disappointing spells at Cardiff and Middlesbrough in the Championship after he left us. Um, just a, a bizarre spell in Turkey for whatever reason. Um, but I think that him playing regularly in our system at the minute with the sort of wing backs in League One, uh, he could cause trouble. And it's you know it's it seems to be gathering momentum. I think about six o'clock tonight, Wickham were on the verge of signing him, um, which I you know is a, a cliche in football, but he's a a potential son that, that really excites me.
1: Mm. he got that kind of Akin Femme style about him as well, hasn't he? That kind of, his, his strength, But um, it's got a little bit of pace, little, pace to go a with bit it.
2: more, um, yeah, a bit more athletic than Akin Femme, but the same sort of, um, sort of, yeah, key components to his game. Really good hold-up player. Um, but yeah, a little bit more technical ability per se than, uh, than Akin Femme had. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, to start this season then, uh, back to back three nil defeats not an ideal way to start. Probably one of the worst possible start for you. Um, but seven points from three games before that defeat we talked about earlier in the EFL Cup against Sutton. Um, but putting that cup game aside a little bit, has the tide turned for you? Do you think uh,
2: performance wise, yes. Um, you know, it's not as if we played badly in the first two games either. Really, it was sort of that the first game the league, we were two nil down in three minutes. Uh, and from that point on, the game plan completely out the window. Um, so, I don't think there's, there's too much to complain about there, really. Uh, even at Lincoln, sort of with a 0 0 at 68 minutes, uh, and then three goals in 15 minutes completely turned the game in their favour. Um, and I think a 3 0 sort of scoreline really flattered them. Um, so, it's not as if the performances haven't been there. It's just been a, a lack of quality in both boxes, really. Um, like I said, we haven't been able to stick the ball in the net at all. Uh, which is frustrating. Um, But also keeping the ball out of Arnett, I think we've struggled with that a little bit so far. But like I said, performances have been there on the whole. Um, It's a bit more pretty to watch than it was under Rainsworth. Uh, Maybe not quite as effective, um, but I suppose that's that's the price you pay for trying to play proper football, as some people have called it. Um, but I'm sure once a, a little bit of fine tuning, uh, the results
1: will start to come. Mm. Is that an issue, um, conceding goals quite quickly? Because you say, first game of the season against Exeter, two goals in the first three minutes. They've missed a penalty quite soon after that as well. Um, Lincoln then score three goals in, what, 15, 20 minutes in the second game of the season. Do you think, is that something that worries you that once one goes in, heads drop?
2: Uh, I mean, it's definitely a, a running theme so far this season. Um, whether it's an attitude issue or whatever it is, uh, remains to be seen. Um, but it's definitely something that will will worry the fans and worry Bloomfield. Um, you know, it's it's bad enough conceding one when you concede two or three immediately after you you leave yourself with a, a mountain to climb, no matter what minute the game is in. Um, so I think that's something that needs ironing out. Um, but I, I don't think it's it's down to anything in particular. And uh, you know, a lot of new signings. Who are not only having to to gel with each other, but a brand new system. Um, you know, there's ten new sons to come in, but the signings who are here from uh, seasons gone by uh, are having to play a whole new ball game. Really, it, it's no longer who uh, it up to some folks straight away. It's a little bit more progressive. And um, the occasional long ball is still there, um, but it's a little bit more exciting and pretty to watch now. And um, so I think it's just it's just one of those things that you know, when you're making something change, it's going to happen early in the season. Um, but certainly, the sooner we, we iron those out, the, the better.
1: Mm. So, do you sense that it might be a little bit inconsistent for a little bit while that will get signed out?
2: Uh, I think so. I mean, yeah, performances have been better. Uh, the performances was last night was really good. It was just a failure to, to, to stick the ball in the net, really. Um, but, it, it, I don't really go into games with too much confidence at the minute um, you know, it's sort of. There's always a fear that we might scrape a one 0 win, but I don't sort of go into a game thinking we'll dominate and get the result. Um, I think there's actually a stat, uh, that from the last thirty games that Wickham have had more possession, we've won two of them. Yeah, I saw that earlier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's one of those things that that Bloomfield will have to iron out, sort of dominating games and having the results to go with it. Um, but sort of but until then, it, it's one of those things that. It's going to take time to to find out what the the best approach is um, to these games, depending on the uh, the opponent.
1: Mm, but really good result last weekend against Bristol Rovers to, to go there and take a two nil lead. They score obviously quite late on, but you've you've held on and really come away with a for for League One. That's a great result. Um, do you think similar kind of thing expectations for this weekend?
2: Similar sort of game plan, I'd assume. Sort of going away to somewhere quite notoriously difficult. Um, I know Joey Barton wasn't a fan of uh, our performance last weekend. Um, his post-match interview was uh, was one for the ages. Uh, I've never heard. I've never heard anyone blame a sprinkler system uh, in my life. So that was <laughs> that was a new one to tick tickle the welcome, bingo card.
1: Welcome to Joey Barton's world, yeah.
2: I mean, I, I'm sure Joey Barton's had a few excuses in this time, but uh, a sprinkler system from a, a stand they didn't get planning permission for. Uh, that's definitely <laughs> a new one.
1: That's Brilliant.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, is a. I think that it would have filled Bloomfield with a lot of confidence, sort of being two 0 up, um, conceding late on, but managing to sort of see out the victory. I think that's sort of a. It's a good building block, really, because uh weeks before that we might have crumbled a little bit and and lost our way. So, um, you know, it's a, a
1: positive result. Mm. He did it again a couple of weeks before that as well against Leighton Orient. they've scored fairly late on to to make it three two. And you've you've sort of seen that game out as well. So it's just these little things, isn't it, with new managers or newish managers that once you start to see what what the plan is, it almost makes it easier as a fan to to watch. And when you lose, it's a little bit more understandable. You can kind of take a step back and say, actually, you can see what the bigger picture is.
2: Yeah, I mean, when when we sort of go behind in games, I don't sort of feel the confidence that we'll get back into them. Um, but certainly, when we go ahead um then I sort of feel like they're quite safe uh it's, it's a bit of a weird one really, because you can't you can't do well if you're not sort of clawing back from losing positions um I think Plymouth showed that last season getting out of league one uh, I think they sort of won the most points from behind in the league um so it's something that you need to do, and you know there won there will be games this season where we do go behind it, it it's natural um it's about how you sort of bounce back from uh, the setbacks that makes uh, good football teams.
1: And your expectations this season? Promotion, push, or just a season of transition for you?
2: Uh, I think I think come the end of the season, it will sort of be a, a mid-table finish. Um, I'd like us to sort of be flirting with the playoffs at, at a different stage of the season. Um, but I think definitely for, for Matt Bloomfield's first full season in, uh, in management, um, while he's still trying to learn the ropes, um, with a very young new squad, um, I think I think he'd be satisfied with a with a mid-table finish, Um as I think most of the fans would, um, most of the the sensible fans anyway. You know, there's going to be a lot of people who sort of look at what Ainsworth achieved and sort of assume that Bloomfield is going to follow suit and and have us in a, a playoff place or sort of um, even pushing for promotion. But I, I I don't think that's to be expected. Really, um, I think Bloomfield himself would be happy with a with a a fairly comfortable mid-table finish, um, maybe sort of hit the heights of 8th or ninth throughout the campaign. But I wouldn't wouldn't expect too much uh, in that aspect.
1: Uh, So if you're in the Cobbler's dressing room before we play you on Saturday, uh, what would you say to us in terms of how you beat Wickham? How would you get at Wickham?
2: I think it's the same thing that every single dressing room um, would have said for the last 10 years, and it's you've got to be physical. Um, you, you know, you've got to win your your individual battles. Um, I think a lot a lot of people know what to expect from a, from a Wickham side, um, and at times that can sort of play into our hands because if if, if we try to mix it up a little bit, um, it can t- it can catch a lot of teams off guard. And um, but you know, you've got to make sure that in in both uh, boxes you are you are physical and brave. Um, because certainly with our um, with our defensive line this season. Um, you know, uh, God forbid we have a front line of some Boaks in Uchek on Saturday. Um, I'm sure it's just going to be <laughs> balls into the box at every um, possible moment. Um, so you know your your centre forwards have, have got to be prepared for a battle, um, and your sort of your, your centre backs have got to be on on top of their game really to to sort of um, get rid of the, the threat that those two players up front.
1: Yeah, it's one of the things with Wickham, I think we always know it's going to be a battle across the pitch. So it's going to be a really, really interesting game on Saturday, quite close in the league. Two good clubs, so I think it's going to be a really good battle. Um, predictions then, George, for the weekend? Are you going to step out? Can we have a score prediction from you?
2: I'm going to say it, it depends on, on who we sign. If if we sign the rumoured player, then I'd be a lot more confident. <laughs> uh, but as it stands out, I'm going to once again, I, I said it um, on a podcast with the Rover's the fans last week, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Wickham. Um, with a, with a, a a header from a defender from a set piece, um, because you know that, uh, it, it, it's the only way I can see us scoring at the minute really. It, it's one of those things that until, until Bloomfield sort of irons out the issues at the top end of the pitch, um, we are relying on the the big guys at the at the back to sort of pop up with a, with a goal here and there. Um, so you know, assuming they did their job at, in their box, um, and getting another set piece in your box. And then yeah, I'll say a, I'll say a one nil scrappy win. I
1: think I'm, I don't know why, but I can't see us winning three in a row. I think I'm going to go one all. I'm going to sit on the fence for this one. One all, seven points from three games. I think we'd be pretty happy with that. So um, yeah, one one for me. Um, Hoskins to mark his new contract with a goal as well. Late on, maybe again, just get another last minute, last minute goal in there. George, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week. Anything you want to plug before you go?
2: Yeah, uh, no, just again the, the Wickham Way on. Um, on Twitter, uh, and hopefully soon we'll be launching a uh, new pint-sized previews where we preview games uh, with a beer in hand
1: always good always good to do that thank you george thanks for coming on um everyone thank you so much for listening patrons your from the vaults blog is out now uh, your match preview is up on cobblers to me.com right now as well don't forget ntfc women face Loughborough lightning away from home this weekend so best of luck to them as they look to make it two wins from two in the league we'll be back on tuesday with our reaction to all the weekend action we'll see you then
0: Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No breaches necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.